This is Healthcare Strategies. This episode was originally recorded as an interview, but we felt that it was really better suited to share the conversation in full with our podcast audience. As a result, the audio quality may be a little lower than our usual quality standards, but we hope you appreciate the thoughts shared in this discussion. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. I'm Kelsey Waddell, Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and Multimedia Manager for Extelligent Healthcare Media. The urgency around achieving health equity and eliminating care disparities has been growing in the payer industry. These efforts have taken a variety of forms, including targeted programs to support underserved populations, improving race and ethnicity data collection, providing transportation access and telehealth options for rural communities, and applying health equity measures to payers' quality metrics. But what overarching principles should be guiding organizations in their efforts to improve health equity? In 2021, Health First, a hospital-sponsored payer that serves the state of New York, released the principles that help this payer orient itself around achieving health equity. The seven principles of health equity for Health First are available, data-informed, value-driven, accessible, nurturing, community-based, and evidence-based. They spell out the acronym ADVANCE. The principles draw from Health First's experience covering underserved communities through safety net plans, including a third of New York City's Medicaid population, as well as the outcomes from the payers' studies and programs. To share with us more about what key principles should guide payers' health equity efforts, we have with us Dr. Susan Bean, Executive Medical Director of Partnerships for Medical Outcomes at Health First, Rashi Kumar, Director of Research and Policy in Partnerships for Medical Outcomes at Health First, and Tom Wang, Manager of Research and Evaluation in Partnerships for Medical Outcomes at Health First. So thank you all for joining us on Healthcare Strategies today. Before we dive deeper into the conversation, I'd love to start out by hearing, in your own words, what your role is at Health First. So Dr. Bean, let's start with you. Sure, glad to start. So my title says Executive Medical Director, what that really means is I'm one of the physician leaders that is available internally to collaborate and to bring forward the kinds of medical and clinical outcomes that we want. Medical directors play obviously an important role in managed care companies. But at Health First, my role is a little bit unique in that the majority of the work that I do and my team does is externally facing. And so we work the majority of our time with our providers, our community-based organization, agencies, government agencies, et cetera, on many kinds of joint collaborations around improving outcomes for people in this region. Now I can pass it to Rashi, and we'll go into more detail as we go along. Great. My title is Director of Research and Policy. And to me, what that means is that I have the amazing responsibility of helping Health First look at our own member data and understand when there are subpopulations that aren't experiencing the outcomes they could have in terms of their best lives with longevity and quality. And then also working to understand what types of interventions and what the evidence base says about how we can improve outcomes, using these as building blocks for building interventions. And then also on the other end, after some time has passed, evaluating how effective they are in improving outcomes. And then on the policy side, 
taking that evidence and understanding how it can be translated into impact. Gotcha. Thank you. And Tom? Right. So I am the manager of research and evaluations. So I came into that from a public health background. I think it's a really wonderful role for me because it allows me to sort of do a little bit of everything that I'm really interested in. So on the one hand, I get to research new models of care and work with our team in around the design and implementation. And I also get to evaluate the outcomes of all of the different programs that we implement to make sure that there is value in the work that we're doing. We're able to articulate that both to our internal stakeholders, as well as to show the value of the work that we're doing to folks external. And there's also a lot of space in that for us to innovate and think about new ways in which we can look at our populations and sort of measure the ways in which we're impacting them, as well as the ways in which we can better help our members. And so yeah, it's really exciting and interesting space for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to hear more about that. So thank you all for sharing that. To start off, I was curious about what led up to Health First Life formulating these principles. Can you share more about how the idea came up? I think obviously there's the general push to improve health equity broadly in the industry, but I'd love to hear kind of what was the motivating factors for you all specifically? I'm glad to start it. You know, I have been really, really lucky and blessed in many ways to work at Health First for 12 years. And during that time, we in our group have been able to form partnerships, we're called partnerships, mm -hmm. with our sponsors, many of whom are academic centers in, in the New York region, but also with our community providers like our FQHCs and our community docs community-based organizations. And all of that really led to the opportunities that you read about on our web space. Some of those are studies that happened quite a while ago. For example, Claremont in the Bronx. We learned from all of them. And I think what we learned is that as a managed care company, we could have an imprint larger than just care management, paying claims, and signing members, et cetera. And our CEO, Pat Wong, determined that this would be more than just lip service. We would learn to make this the heart of what we do for the members who are the heart of this organization. And so putting the principles together was just a matter of finding the acronym because it was pretty obvious what we were trying to achieve. And I think that advance is a really simple but comprehensive look at the pillars that we are not only attempting to implement, but also they're aspirational as well. Rashi or Tom, do you want to add to that? I'll just add that I've only been at Health First for seven years, but what attracted me to the company was the fact that equity is so central to what our mission is. Health First was created almost 30 years ago with the goal of better serving the safety net. So that was very appealing to me from the beginning. And we're at this wonderful point where many of our initiatives have achieved the type of maturity that we need in order to be able to begin to talk about them and publish on them. I would like to actually say one more thing, Kelsey, which is that what is really interesting to me about that site, the advanced site, is you see how many years we've put into this. It's one thing to begin thinking about equity and everyone should, every organization should and start acting on it. But I think you see there years and years of commitment. Each one of those studies took years to think about, implement, and then wait 
with time before evaluation, and there are others that aren't there yet. We don't have to make the case for commitment. You can do a timeline almost and see how we have over time developed these approaches and this portfolio of work that is just one piece of how we're doing our work every day. Great. Well, so I'm going to ask a very broad and very open question, and it's intentionally so because especially with all three of you here coming from different spaces in a sense, I'd really like to hear just kind of what comes to mind on this question. So I I see this as sort of an orienting thing, the advanced principles are like, this is how we orient ourselves around health equity. And so I'm curious what strategies you think are key for insurers to put in place to make sure that they are orienting themselves around health equity. Here to start off, off with the nitty gritty, there's a piece in advance that speaks to being data informed. Mm-hmm. I do believe that is an important distinction to make being data informed. So I think a lot of times there's a growing trend towards leveraging data and analytics for a lot of the decision making, which is great. I think in a space like managed care and with the populations that we work with, there's a danger to relying overly much on data and models without fully understanding and taking into account the people, the members that we're caring for at the end of the day. And so I think being data informed is important because it says that we are taking into account the data we have. And we are also listening to our members when they tell us these are our needs and we're not going to assume whatever model that we built can tell us everything we need to know about someone and all of the nuances that might impact the way they receive care and experience the healthcare system. It made me think of the V for value-driven and the fact that we are a value-based model, that we are driven by our sponsors and others being willing to take risk believing that we can achieve great outcomes for the members and New Yorkers that we serve has really been powerful because almost every project that you see there has one of our or a number of our sponsors or providers involved. And the power that that brings is that our providers are invested in finding answers for the difficulties that they face themselves serving people. So it goes beyond just managed care companies in the ivory tower trying to do good, but some of the urgency is driven by our sponsors, our FQHCs, our safety net community providers, et cetera, who are saying, find us answers. We have New Yorkers that we want to serve. We need help. And in this model, we expect you to help us find answers to access to what they know is equity based on evidence and to help with members who are falling through the system in terms of getting help. Mm. Rashi, did you have anything you wanted to add to how to orient yeah. around health equity? I only use a little bit to add because these comments have been so rich, but what I think is so important is looking at both sides of the coin. It's helping the member, listening to the member, understanding what their needs are and what their barriers are and what their goals are. And on the other side of coin is the provider and the healthcare delivery system and understanding all the systemic issues that come with that, that impede equity, such as racism, discrimination, et cetera. Mm. I think addressing both of those sides of the coin are really important. We haven't posted yet, but you'll see over time that we post some of the 
video from some of our conferences. We have many, many conferences during the year. It's another commitment that our team makes to the providers that we serve. And those are often fascinating because it's not like Health First has to preach this message. The value-based model that we are part of allows us to allow the providers to talk to one another. So our Experts in our region are often speaking to us and to each other, but we have national experts that are willing to come in without an honorarium just because they believe in what we're trying to do here and changing the trajectory for the populations that we serve. I'd like to ask you more about that in just a second, Uh, but I wanted to just circle back real quick. Tom, you had mentioned at the top the difference between, I guess, being data-informed and data I don't know if this is the right way to say it, but like data-driven, yeah. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit just about the balance and what strategies you would recommend for ensuring that it's data-informed and not data-driven. I think that's a really good point that Rashi brought up. We're not prescriptive. So I think that the danger is when you have data about a group of members and then you become prescriptive with it saying they need X, Y, Z, right? I think the innovative part about a lot of our programs is we are going in and we are offering members services that might address one or many of their needs. And we are saying, here's what's available. Would you like to partake in any of them? And because we believe that members are the best arbiters of their own health and their own outcomes, they know what they need. There's a level of freedom in them getting to choose what services are most acceptable to them at that moment in time. That helps a lot with uptake of these programs because we're not saying, we know everything there is to know about you based on your history of claims but here is what we believe we can help you with and let us know if you want that. So I think that's the difference. It is acknowledging that people are responsible, independent actors and giving them the freedom to act in a way that helps them. Yeah, Dr. Bean, you talked about those conferences and you mentioned that the providers are sharing with each other and it's interesting seeing a payer make a space for that. Could you go more in depth about how payers can be facilitating that between providers, I think, as opposed to just being the aggregator who just gives them all the data. As Rashi said, our providers are the other side of the coin for the members, and providers are working extremely hard to accomplish those medical outcomes that are most desired by their patients. So I think any payer can invest in allowing space to create an agenda, to create a forum with the right mix of participants to allow for either conversation or to allow for the leading experts to talk, not preach to the providers, but to talk with them colleague to colleague. And that's what we strive to do in our many, many conferences, workshops, seminars, symposia, CME. I think during the pandemic, 2020, our team had 62 events. Obviously, this is part of our advanced agenda which is the payer can't know everything. And we certainly can't pretend to be the same as the healthcare delivery system. And so it's one thing for us to talk about structural racism. Mm -hmm. It's another for one of their own to talk to them about institutional racism as it manifests in their workflows, processes, and, and outcomes. Thank you. And so, Dr. Um, Bean and Rashi, you had both touched, I believe, on the value-based care side of this. Again, another open-ended question of where does 
value-based care factor into the health equity strategy with relation to advanced principles? And how do you see those two value-based care on the one hand and the advanced principles on the other sort of shaping your approach or how should they shape a more general industry-wide approach to addressing health equity and eradicating care disparities? I think what's really worked for us is the fact that our value-based model allows us to work kind of very intimately with our providers allowing us to put our data together to really tell the story about what's happening with their patients and our members. I think that this strategic data sharing is a very important foundation for the equity work that payers, providers, and community organizations can do together. As payers, we're all venturing into the value-based world. And I think that value has to be threefold. Obviously, the plan is going to look for value the providers are going to want to share in that value. But I think our advanced model speaks to the fact that the value also has to be for the people that we're all serving. Is there anything that we talked about here? I mean, again, we could really go much longer, I'm sure, but is there anything here that we touched on that you wanted to kind of expound a little bit more on or anything that you think When thinking about these advanced principles and moving forward in health equity and eradicating care disparities, anything that we missed entirely in this conversation so far? I mean, I'm sure that, again, a lot that we didn't touch on, but anything that you think this is urgent, we need to ensure that this part that we have been implementing is important to our strategy here. I love the advanced because it allows me to look at a letter. The C, the community-based piece. You know, one way that Health First has been seen not only by our colleagues and peers as interested in eradicating disparities, but also our community footprint has been important to us from the inception. And so being present in communities, being willing to put a large field force out there, my team is mostly in the field, quality is in the field, we have coordinators in the field, but most importantly, we've become invested in the community-based organizations. We've learned that if you're really going to help people where they walk and live and work and play and live, you have to be conversant in the concerns that they have. And we have found that community-based organizations are critical for that. So I do think that as we look forward to addressing equity, some of the issues around concordance and making people comfortable to, as Tom said, have freedom to address their needs is going to be based on how well we collaborate with the kinds of organizations that have devoted themselves to the communities where our members, our physicians, patients, and, you know, these New Yorkers live. One thing that's really important to keep in mind is the community piece that Dr. Bean, you brought up, kind of fits all into this, is that when you think about equity, it's a long-term proposition. You're not looking for quick, easy wins. And this bears out and the evaluations that I've looked at and the data that I've looked at and that a lot of things that you're trying to move when you are targeting equity and ensuring that all your members have equitable care are things that take time to realize, you know, to realize the gains of patients in holding equity as like a goal and really working towards that and giving it time to work out and for you to be able to see the returns on these programs and that you're devoting to fostering a more equitable environment and more equitable care for your members. Our hyper-local presence has helped us understand 
better than we could otherwise what the needs of our members are and working with community-based organizations to better understand the needs of our members and how those are connected to the resources our communities have, that has been so important. Mm -hmm. And then absolutely building out an evaluation framework that looks for improvements towards equity, not just immediate looking for a return on investment. That is so critical to our approach. Thank you all so much for your time. Thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Listeners, we'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Feel free to reach out to me at kwadil at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at extelligentmedia.com to share your thoughts. You can also use that email to let us know if there are any health industry related questions or stories you would like us to consider covering. And if you liked this episode and it sparked some thoughts for you, please head over to Apple and give us a few stars and a positive review. Thank you for listening. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.